Hello, I'm Bill DeVille. Welcome to the all-new Music Heads, your weekly music digest. In this installment of Music Heads, we'll chat with Sharon Van Etten about what she's been listening to in our guest list feature. Steve Nelson from NPR News will talk about his favorite band in our Essentials segment. Our co-music director, Melanie Walker, will talk about Theophilus London in our Next Big Thing feature. Mark Wheat and I will run the numbers in our chart breakouts, and David Campbell and David Safar will break down the new album from the Detroit duo known as Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. No crash helmet required. But for now, it's time for the music cast. Time to check out the music headlines from last week on the music cast. I'm joined by Jill Riley, the co-host of the morning show. How you doing, Jill? I'm doing well, Bill. Um, a couple items in the uh, past week in the world of music news. Looks like the Shins may be making a new record. I'm so excited to hear that. I am too, um, especially with the lineup changes. Mm-hmm. That'll be kind of cool Isn't to one hear. Of, one of them has a taco stand in Portland now. Did you know that? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of like his main gig. Mm-hmm. I would like to sample those tacos Me if I well. ever go out to, to Portland. <laughs> um, and they are working with um, a producer by the name of Greg Kirsten. Right. If you don't know who that is, um, he's a former member of the 90s alt-pop um, kind of one-hit wonder band Geggy I know him as a member of uh, the Bird and the Bee. Right, right. That's how I first heard with, his with name. With Lowell George's daughter. Yeah. But he's also a really kind of hot producer in the world of indie rock. He's worked with the Flaming Lips, Lily Allen, Beck. He's even worked with Kesha. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a recent tweet, he shared the news. He said, also been working on a new Shins album. Really excited about that, too. So that's great to hear the Shins are back at work in the studio. Believe it or not, it's been four years since they released their last album, Wincing the Night Away. You know, and they, who you knew know, if they were going to release another one? And they've never been an, a band that uh, puts out albums frequently. I mean, they've always been kind of on the, the every four-year plan, it seems mm-hmm. like. It's going to be interesting to see if working with Greg Kirsten, who's mainly worked in this kind of more dancing area. Yeah, like area, pop music yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, we'll take the Shins in a new direction. We'll, I guess we'll find out. I guess so. Okay, four years since the Shins released a record. It's been four years since Rilo Kiley released their most recent record, and that was back in 2007, Under the Black Light. Well, are they going to release anything new? Probably not. Yeah. Um, according to an interview that guitarist Blake Sennett recently gave to Spinner, it looks like that was probably their last record. Sennett had the following to say about the band's breakup. I just felt like there was a lot of deception, disloyalty, greed, and things I don't really want to submit myself to. I had related that frustration to music, but I just thought, I'm not going to put myself in that position again, so I said I can't do this anymore. I was mad at music. <laughs> and <laughs> not, it wasn't... Not, not Jenny. Well, he says it wasn't music's fault. It was the fault as band members, our partners, or friends. So that sounds like it was a pretty nasty split. And again, he doesn't really name names, but I think it's pretty obvious that at least one of the names that he's talking about is likely Jenny Lewis. I suspect. Rilo Kiley, it's likely that that band is... Pretty much over. But in related news, uh, Blake Sennett's other band, The Elected, has just put out their new album, Bury Me in Rings. It's rumored to be primarily about, well, his former fling, Jenny Lewis. Right. Uh, Blake Sennett played most of the instruments, produced the album himself. He's quoted as saying, I played most of the instruments myself, so it was easier to erase stuff without hurting anyone's feelings. 
<laughs> I can see that. I mean, especially if uh, you were in a band where there was a lot of tension. Maybe you're afraid of stepping on toes or something like that. Or creative differences again. Exactly. So you can check out a new track from um, The Elected. Just go to our website, thecurrent.org slash musicheads. And you can download a new track from the album as well. Are we breaking up? been on a cruise bill um no i have done the mississippi river cruise once yeah saw a band it was kind of fun it was years ago but not like a four nights five day everyone walking around in swimsuits that they probably shouldn't be wearing kind of cruise (laughs) i haven't either um but weezer have just made their latest announcement that they're launching their own cruise the Weezer Cruise. <laughs> Does it Maybe. have a destination or is it just meant to be on the water? Well, it looks like it'll voyage from Miami to the Mexican island of Cozumel. This is January 19th to the 23rd. So, hey, Minnesotans, write this on your uh, write this on your destination list because it could be kind of a those, nice those break the from the cold. Those are the dog days of winter, aren't they? Yeah, 19 through 23, yeah, exactly, coldest days of the year. Well, Weezer will be playing indoor and outdoor sets, posing for photos, and giving a Q&A. <laughs> But the lineup, I mean, it's not just Weezer. Um, Dinosaur Jr. is on the bill. And, uh, well, also, being that, you know, Jay Maskus will be there and uh, Lou Barlow will ah, be there. Some of their too, solo huh? work yeah, will be cool. going on as well. Um, the lineup also features Waves, The Antlers, Yuck, and Free Energy. Plenty of indie rock happening on this one, too. Yeah. It, it could be kind of fun. And, of course, when it comes to cruises, your ticket will get you your dining, uh, room service, the pools, hot tubs, a full-service casino, and all the other stuff you'd expect from a big cruise Liquor? ship. Uh, I don't know if that's... Maybe there's an all-inclusive package that you can buy. Um, you can you can check out a video of uh, Rivers Cuomo of Weezer announcing the cruise on our website. Just go to thecurrent.org slash musicheads. The Muppets are back. There's a new Muppets movie on the way, and to accompany the new movie, there's a tribute album, a Muppets tribute album. Disney will release Muppets the Green Album on August 23rd. But it's not just Muppets. I mean, this tribute album actually has kind of a funny lineup. People like. Goodness gracious, look at that lineup. Yeah, Weezer, Andrew Bird. Sandra Lerke, um, and they'll be covering songs that were made famous by Kermit and the crew themselves. Uh, My Morning Jacket, <laughs> they have a version of Our World, a song cool. from the uh, Muppets Christmas special, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and you can check it out at our site, thecurrent.org slash musicheads. Thanks so much for dropping by, Jill. Yep, thanks, Bill. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the light. It's time to meet the Muppets on the Muppets show. This is Music Heads, music news for music lovers. What's new in stores this week? Well, there's a new album from Theophilus London, as well as Fink. The Memphis artist Amy LeVere has a new album. Amelda May has a new rockabilly-influenced work. Tim Robbins and the Rogues Galley Band. Yep, Tim Robbins, the actor, has a new work. You might recall he's actually sang and filmed before. He sang songs in the film Bob Roberts back in 1992. A couple of 90s bands back in action. 
including Three Doors Down and 311 have new works this week. And there's also a new album from They Might Be Giants. John's Flansboro and Linnell have been making music since 1982. Their new album is called Join Us. Let's check out a track called Can't Keep Johnny Down here on Music Heads. This is Music Heads, your essential weekly music digest. It's time again to run the numbers. Once again, we're joined by Mark Wheat from The Chart Show, and we're here to discuss the charts. How you doing, Mark? I'm great. Thanks for having me back, Bill. My pleasure. Adele and Beyonce continue to rule the charts, with Beyonce atop the national chart with Adele at number two. The artists are flip-flop locally with Adele at numero uno. Ravon Buddy Holly was released to celebrate Mr. Holly's would-be 75th birthday, featuring chart toppers like Florence and the Machine and CeeLo and Paul McCartney, and it's comes kind of an automatic that uh, Mr. McCartney's on there since he owns the Buddy Holly catalog, I suppose, huh? Does he really? Yeah, That's well, news to me, but I was glad to see. I don't know if he's going to play anybody, but uh, I didn't see the reports, but he just started his uh, baseball stadium tour this week, which was great to see. Mm-hmm. And I saw that uh, he's, uh, well, 23, the Buddy Holly, Ravon Buddy Holly album mm-hmm. is nationally with uh, number 20 locally, so uh, it's exciting news. I think these things are great because they maybe open a new audience to the work of someone like Buddy Holly, who I think gets overlooked a lot of the time when we talk about influences on modern pop music. And uh, Florence and the Machine, speaking of which, is still mm-hmm. 21 locally, 33 across the country, though it's been on the charts now for over a year, which is, which is crazy. It's still uh, showing up, uh, you know, both nationally and locally. It's almost like Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon or something, isn't it? I know, which is uh, great to see something as experimental. I guess Dark Side of the Moon was experimental when it came out, and mm-hmm. Florence, if you'd have told me when that came out that that would be on the chart a year later, I would have laughed because it's, uh, it's experimental. It's not the obvious uh, pop music that we expect to be on the charts for that long. Mm-hmm. Eddie Vedder and his Uke songs, Eddie from the band Pearl Jam, that's 54 nationally and number 33 locally. Not bad for a guy who, you know, spends a little time in Hawaii on the surfboard and uh, <laughs> right. discovers those Hawaiian sounds, plays a Uke, makes a record, and it does pretty well. The Uke is having its comeback, which is always good to see. And it's interesting to see that a number of artists we've been playing on The Current have been doing pretty well locally as well. Foster the People is 31 locally and nationally, and not, not bad for a debut album. It's great to see that because a lot of people possibly thought that they were a one-hit wonder with Pumped Up Kicks, so it's great to see that the Torches album uh, got a big push this week as well, both locally and nationally. And then Bon Iver still faring well, number 11 in the nation, number 6 in the Twin Cities, and those Orpheum shows sold out in the uh, proverbial heartbeat. Mark, thanks so much for joining me today for Music Heads and uh, the chart breakout segment. No problem. Coming up, we're going to check out who's poised to be the next big thing with The Current's co-music director, Melanie Walker. But first, let's check out a track from an artist you've heard of, but maybe you haven't actually heard her new song. It's Beyonce. Our 
you had something to mention about... Uh... Yeah, I was thrilled to see that she was one of, I think, the first major headlining act um, to be a woman at Glastonbury Festival. The That's big, incredible. The biggest festival in the UK. They've and never had a woman headliner before? No. That's insane. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so, uh, and not the usual genre for Glastonbury either. Yeah. And apparently she pulled it off, got a lot of guests on stage. Uh, really, she said, I've always wanted to be a rocker. And she got a little more rock in her uh, delivery as well. And, and everyone loved it. So uh, she was a very, very big hit at Glastonbury a couple of weeks ago over in the UK. So let's hear from Beyonce. And here's your track, The Best Thing I Never Had, here on Music Heads. I'm Bill DeVille. This is Music Heads. Time to check out who's to become the next big thing with our co-music director, Melanie Walker. Melanie, what do you got for us this week? Today, I want to talk to you about this cat bill called mm-hmm. Theophilus London. I mean, with a name like that, <laughs> you've got to go into the entertainment industry. I think so. It's time to lift it up. Oh, you can sit fine wine deliverables and chocolate candles. It's time to lift it up. Oh, and cabbage right round of a love and rock chinchillas. Girl, I ain't going nowhere. Sit here and play cops and robbers down by the moonlight. Sunrise, it's time to go. <laughs> Grab your phone, take some pictures. Love in a modern. So he's this guy who was born in Trinidad, but eventually moved to Brooklyn, New York, and was raised there. And he's really a very eclectic character. He's got a whole range of styles that he draws from. He likes soul and pop. There's a little post-punk in there, electro, a little contemporary R&B as well. Bill, he began from a very, you know, early stage just making mixtapes that he kind of circulated around on the blogosphere online and just gained a lot of fans from, I guess, a lot of the right people. He eventually made his uh, debut album that was appropriately uh, titled This Charming Mixtape back in 2009. Play on on the Smiths right there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Theophilus, he does rap, but his methods of production, he does produce his own tracks. Um, they, They have a lot more in common common with like 80s revivalists like right. Chromio remember that duo Chromio and mm-hmm. this other group games he's he really likes synths and drum beats and particularly that like new wave style with like bass beats and 8-bit samples he's a typical child of the 80s and cites influences from people like Michael Jackson and Prince as well as Kraftwerk and the Smiths. I mean, he's, he's a little bit of everything. Right. But I do think, though, that he has a potential to go mainstream and, and venture out into that pop world. Yeah, he's quite a collaborator, too. He's worked with a lot of different folks already, hasn't he? He has. I mean, he's one of those artists that everyone in the music industry seems to know. He's mm-hmm. already counted like people like Mark Ronson and Damon Albarn amongst his friends. He's got this side project that we don't know much about that he's working on with them, um, with the Dap Kings from Sharon Jones and 
DraftKings. I think it's called Chauffeur is the name of the group. He's worked with uh, Dave Sitek as well from uh, TV on the radio on Dave's Maximum Balloon Project. That's right. He was he, on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a guest vocalist on a track we played quite a bit called Groove Me. You know, he's got a number of big name friends, like we said, and he's got a number of them on an EP he put out this last spring called Lover's Holiday. He had Sarah Quinn of Tegan and Sarah on a track. Uh, Dave Sitek again was working with him on a track called Wine and Chocolates. And even Beyonce's little sister, Solange Knowles, uh, was on a track. So that was kind of an interesting collaboration. But, you know, he's he's got all the right uh, people, you know, working with him and all the right pieces are in place. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes next yeah, and what and happens. He's got a new album on the way too, doesn't he? He does have a new album that actually came out this week. It came out today. It's called Times Are Weird These Days. All right. Melanie Walker, thank you so much for dropping by. Stay tuned. We've got the guest list coming up and Sharon Van Etten's going to share some of the music she loves with us. But first, let's check out a track. What track do you want to play here from Theophilus London? Well, I want to listen to what's officially the first single off of the new album. The track's called I Stand Alone. And here it is on Music Heads. No, I want this town to be near you. No, gray skies ever turn blue. I stand alone. I stand alone. I stand alone. I stand alone. It's time now for our guest list feature, and I wanted to welcome Sharon Van Etten. Sharon, how are you? Good. Welcome to the Twin Cities. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. So let's talk about what you've been listening to. What's on your iPod? Name me a few things that you really like these days. I've been listening to a lot of Laura Dens mm-hmm. and Simon Joyner and Little Scream, who we've been touring with. Uh-huh. What's, what's the story of Little Scream? Little Scream is based out of Montreal. Yeah. Um, Laurel plays guitar and sings and... She she writes really amazing descriptive lyrics and her mm-hmm. phrasing is a lot like Ricky Lee Jones or something. Oh, That's really? Like her her kind major of a jazzy influence. sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of jazzy, but she plays like a, a gnarly kind of spazzy guitar. She plays electric and she uses a vocal pedal that she mm-hmm. uses for harmonies and stuff. It's it's really interesting. It's a lot of fun. And And what else did you, you mention, uh, the first two things? Um, Laura Dens. Yeah, what's her story? Is Jenna Hunter mm-hmm. from Baltimore, and she has a band, they're a four-piece. Yeah. It's grungy kind of doo-wop and... Grungy doo-wop, you don't hear those two things together very often. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's... It's one of my favorite records from last year, and it's carrying over into this year. You know, like I, I'm one of those people when I like when I love a record, I I, I burn it out. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, which they have a really great live show, and 
I, I met her in Texas years ago when she was solo, and she's a gnarly Texan, super uh. sweet, quiet, like sarcastic woman. She's really great. Mm-hmm. Well, Sharon, it's really been nice to have you drop by. Congratulations on your latest album, Epic. And Thank you're going to begin work on a new one, too, huh? Yes, yes. We'll be in the studio this summer, so hopefully we'll finish it soon. Well, good luck to you, and nice to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. This is Music Heads, music news for music lovers. For more info, go to thecurrent.org. Time now for the music meeting. Joining me today are local show and radio free current host David Campbell. Hi, David. Hey, thanks for having me. And our new hot host and co-music director David Safar is here too. Hi, David. Hey, Bill. On the table today is the new album from Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr., who are also a duo from Detroit featuring Josh Epstein and Daniel Zott. Their cleverly titled major label debut is called It's a Corporate World. This is a band that's likely listened to artists like Nilsson, the Beatles and the Stones, the Beach Boys, who they covered on an earlier EP. The big difference is these guys are very DIY. It's a Corporate World was produced and recorded in the band's basement studio in Royal Oak, Michigan. Josh and Daniel are clearly home studio rats, but these guys didn't overthink it. The production isn't overcooked. It's surprisingly warm and uncluttered. They don't sound exactly like the Beatles. They have far more modern electropop indie rock sound. The album is, to me, the perfect refuge for an overly hot, endless summer day. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr., It's a Corporate World is the name of the album. David, is it working for you? Yeah, it's working for me. I mean, when your influences are classic bands like Beatles, Beach Boys, you know, I hear a little bit of the zombies in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, what could go wrong, right? Actually, a lot could go wrong. A few <laughs> bands can pull it off, but this one does a really good job. And you don't usually think of Detroit when it comes to a band like this. You don't think, I think of Detroit, I think of, you know, heavy rock and roll yeah. and uh, electronic music. Mm-hmm. These guys are out of Michigan. They were originally signed to a Michigan label called Quite Scientific, and they put out an EP that had a cover on it, had a great cover. And Dave, maybe you want to talk about it a little bit because you are I know you're into the covers on this album. But uh, it got picked up by a major label, partially because of the music, but also because of their live act, because they dress up in, in outfits at all their shows. And I recently saw them down at the 7th Street entry. And if you're listening to this album and you think, oh, they can't pull it off live, they can do it live. The song off this album that grabs me mostly because it perplexes everyone is Simple Girl. Everyone who hears that song stops, pauses, and goes, that sounds really familiar. What is that? (laughs) And usually people come up with a Beatles song, and everybody seems to name a different one, but that's what's so great about this album. It's really hard to take those kind of musical influences, and, you know, some people sound really contrived when they take a, you know, Beatles-esque melody and try to make it their own. This band really pulls it off, and they sound really familiar in a really good way while still having their own original songs. She's a simple girl, and she's got simple emotions. She won't ever let you in, but she wants to keep you in her corner. Da, 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 da. 
about you, David? Is it working for you? Uh, I love this kind of record. You yeah. know, I hear similarities to contemporaries like uh, the Vampire Weekend offshoot Discovery, maybe mm-hmm. the Ruby Suns in there. Maybe even fans of Phoenix would like this record. But it's a smart hybrid of songs that could be played on a, an acoustic guitar built into this whirlwind of electronic blasts. It's, I, in some ways, I think this is like the new folk. Uh, the, the, the songwriting is there. Yeah. I think it's solid. And the singing is exquisite. And, but this, there's this heavy production that I feel like really accentuates rather than distracts and, and, and builds to a much greater whole than, you know, if you were to hear these guys say play it on a 12 string guitar or something in in many ways i feel like this their production is the modern day phil specter sound um now I, I might be saying that because i i listened to the you know the god only knows cover sure. from yeah. the first ep but i thought about it more and i'm not sure if it's an approach that's based out of economic necessity i mean obviously you can't haul a bunch of of string players in the studio anymore these days um or trend but either way i really love it sort of an, a beach boysy sound for the 8-bit generation right um yeah the, the cover on this record actually i think that's what they do best i, I feel like the, the one complaint i had was that it's really easy going down but i got done with it and i was kind of like i don't really remember as much of it as i would have hoped or it was, i felt like in some ways the melodies are lost in this glorious production but uh what they've done with uh gil scott herons we almost lost detroit it's really cool a record that's going to stick you think you guys i mean it's so it's so immediately likable and it just it washes over you in the best way is this is it is it too light is it too easy is this going to be something that a year from now or even six months from now you're going to be excited about i mean i certainly see great potential in this band this is a great way to have a debut album you know you're really showcasing your production skills and your talents as songwriters this might not be the album that people go back to and say that was the best album they put out but if if they continue on this path, they're going to write another album, and it's going to be even better. You know, I don't know if I want to go there about what am I going to think about it in a year. I'm just going to enjoy the moment with this record. How about that? Very zen of you, Bill. <laughs> David, and David, thanks for joining me for Music Thank you, Bill. And I wanted to play you this song. This is the one that uh, kind of caught my ear. I thought it was kind of clever because here they are. They're on a major label, and uh, this is kind of a clever song about uh, about just that, I think. It's called It's a Corporate World. It's a corporate You're listening to Music Heads, music news for music lovers. It's time now for The Essentials, where we let you know what records are must-haves for any Music Heads collection. Steve Nelson is here. Why don't you introduce yourself? I'm the program director of Minnesota Public Radio News, former program director of The Current. Yes. And I also uh, host something called Album Club on Twitter. And and you were, I saw you were in the Star Tribune for the Pick 6 column last week. That is correct, yes. Congratulations for that. So what are we going to feature this week? What's one of your favorite albums ever? Well, because R.E.M. is re-releasing Life's Rich Pageant, which is right. their fourth record. But 25-year anniversary this week. 25-year anniversary remastered mm-hmm. the whole big shebang. Mm-hmm. 
thought we should do an REM record, but frankly, Life Switch Pageant isn't one of my top five REM records. So I thought I would pick Nor a mine. different one. Yeah. And I think that, I, I actually think that if you're talking about essential records, you can probably make a pretty good case for four, maybe five REM mm-hmm. records mm-hmm. in my mind. The record that I chose as being essential is Document, mm-hmm. which is their fifth record. And it was their big breakthrough. So it was their first record that had a top 10 hit, which was, of course, the one I love. Right. And it was also their first record to go platinum. But that's not the reason I think it's essential. Why is it essential? Why do you love it? Well, the thing is, like any good band, they went through their early period, their Mm -hmm. middle period, now they're in their later period. What I love about Document is it's a moment in time. It's R.E.M. at a crossroads. The record label had been pushing them to become this big you know, mega selling band and they were kind of reticent for a while and then they sort of embraced it on Life's Rich Pageant, but they really got it right on Document because what they did is they kept a lot of the things that really, really signified the REM sound, the jangly guitars, Mm -hmm. the really tight rhythm section, but they also added big production and you hear that sort of big 80s sound on the drums. They have these huge choruses in everything that they're doing. And they also started experimenting with instruments like on King of Birds, they were Peter Peter Buck was playing the dulcimer. So what wow. you can see in in document is the old REM sort of morphing into the new REM, which would become this big uh, multi-platinum selling band. And it's the first time they worked with Scott Litt, the producer who helped them do Automatic for the People right. and Out of Time and Green and, and all those really big REM albums. Yeah, it has a really big, bold sound. And, uh, you know, and there's a bunch of great songs on the album, too. Besides, uh, you didn't even mention It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine. Well, it's funny because for me, another reason that I chose this as an essential record is it's a very personal record for me. Mm-hmm. I saw the video for It's the End of the World as We Know It on 120 Minutes on MTV one night. And before that, I was like, I was kind of dabbling in new music, but I was mainly a classic rock guy, right? Mm -hmm. I was in high school. I saw this weird video, which was basically herky-jerky camera. There's a kid uh, shirtless standing in an abandoned house, (laughs) and all he does is, like, go through the junk in the house and stare at the camera. And for for the chorus, instead of seeing the band singing the big chorus, the kid just stood there holding a portrait, and it blew my mind. I was like... There is something more in this world than CCR and Led Zeppelin. Not that there's anything wrong with those bands, but this sort of opened a whole new world to me. Yeah. And for me, this this is REM sort of at their angriest and uh, rockinest best. I think that you can really hear sort of the, the, the big catchy choruses. Plus, uh, one of the underrated parts about R.E.M. is sort of the classic Mike Mills harmonies and backing vocals, mm-hmm. what he's doing. You really hear those on this record, and it really makes it uh, bigger than the sum of its parts, I think. You know, you mentioned classic rock, but when you look back, you know, this is a 20-some-year-old album. There is hints of classic rock all over. The, the guitars are bigger and, the, you know, the bolder production by Scott Litt. And, and uh, so it could be argued that this is their, their classic rock album, well, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, and, and you'll certainly hear this, this album now on classic rock stations. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I yeah. remember calling the classic rock station when I was in high school and saying, hey, play, play some one, R.E.M. Play the one I love. Yeah. And they're like, no way, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what you really find in this record is they were definitely trying to make that... Uh, breakthrough move, but still maintain their 
artistic integrity. So they have the weird video. Uh, they have sort of like the angular melodies, but still with the super anthematic choruses. Right. And they also have the lyrics that are kind of like, really? What is he talking about there? I'm, I'm still not quite sure. Plus, they've got a great wire cover. They play Strange. That's right. That's an awesome song. Yeah, and they totally amped it up, and it, it was really fun. Well, Steve, thanks for dropping by. He's Steve Nelson. He's the program director for Minnesota Public Radio News. Steve, what song do you want us to check out from this album? So I think that the first eight songs on Document could be the best eight songs in all of rock and roll. Ah. There, I said it. I really love this record. (laughs) I, I guess you do. So I think there's no better way to start it off than with the first song on the album. It's the finest work song, and you'll hear all the things that I was talking about. Jangly guitars, big choruses, uh, harmonies, and every time I hear this song, I want to hear the rest of the record. So, finest work song. Thank you, Steve Nelson, and here it is on Music Ed. The time to rise has been It's been Music Heads from 89.3 The Current from Minnesota Public Radio. I want to thank our guests, David Safar, David Campbell, Steve Nelson from NPR News, Jill Riley, Mark Wheat, and props to Sharon Van Etten for chatting with us. Special thanks to executive producer Melanie Walker and Derek Stevens for helping to make this show happen. Thank you for joining me. I'm Bill DeVille, and we'll wrap up this week's show with a sneak peek of a new track from Red Hot Chili Peppers featuring their new guitarist, Josh Klinghoffer. Those funky lads from L.A. have a new album on the way called I'm With You, which will be released on August 30th. Here's a brand new single called The Adventures of Rain Dance Maggie.
she had the goods. Little did I know her body was warm, delicious, by no two, y'all, neck of the woods. 